Welcome to Where I'm From, the podcast that proves no matter how far you go, you'll always keep a little piece of home with you. I'm Bill Meeks. This week, podcaster and geek September McGrady joins me to talk about where she's from, Lockport, New York. I met September as a fellow contestant on Brian Ebbett's podcasting reality competition, America's Next Top Podcaster. She landed on my team after several rounds of eliminations, and we produced a lot of great shows together that won the week. But our most successful show was probably a little interview show called Where I'm From. You might have heard of it. Today, I'm talking to September about living in Lockport, New York, her move to Buffalo, how she got into politics, and if she'd ever consider moving back. All right, let's go talk to where I'm from's mommy. That's not weird, is it? How are you doing today, September? I'm not as cool as Ali Spagnola, but I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got a comment because I did like a, a season one sampler platter and I included a little bit of our Ali Spagnola demo episode that we did for America's Next Top Podcaster. And I got someone commenting like, I never heard this episode. Where was this episode? I'm like, it's on the RSS feed as the trailer because that's all I had to start out. <laughs> you know, I, I'd say you're at least as cool as Ali Spagnola. Oh, in general. I don't know. <laughs> She inspired me to get a little cooler. I will say that. Yeah, Allie's a lot of fun, too. If you've never listened to that episode, listener, uh, go back and listen to it. It's the first one on the feed. First one on the feed. I've kind of broken this episode up into a few different parts. We're going to start with your hometown, your main hometown of uh, Lockport. So what was the general vibe like growing up in Lockport? Lockport is a small town. Um, and it, I always think, like, I ended up in a town I live now in North Carolina that is very like Lockport. And how in the world does that happen, right? <laughs> and probably the way my parents decided, right? It's I'm, I'm in, in the burbs. Well, I'm a little more rural-ish because there's just more cows. Um, but the kids and the school and the yard and, you know, those kind of things. <laughs> but not much going on there. What kind of things did you do for fun? You know, growing up there and everything. <laughs> I built forts in, in the neighbor's yards and in the wooded areas around us and went and, you know, secretly built fires. And <laughs> did you ever find anything weird or cool in the woods? Just these little, really weird thing was little stone walls that I don't know how long, like, I know the Underground Railroad at one point went through um, their their homes in Lockport that were part of it. And they had to wonder what kind of, you know, paths were created or marked in that way. Like I, no one knew the origin of these walls that were just decrepit in the woods. Who knows how many hundreds of years old. The house I grew up in in West Virginia had, had walls like that too, just like stone walls stacked and everything. I, I had heard it, the ones next to me were from the civil war. Like it was like that. It was like a battleground or something. And like the, the wall that was kind of holding up the hill was where they would like, you know, duck down and reload their guns and everything. Yeah. It was one of that kind of thing, but I don't know that it went that far North with that kind of battle. What do you do when you go hang out in the woods? What, what kind of activities do you get up to besides starting fires, of course? Fires was a big deal for me because I'm really good at it. And, <laughs> um, my neighborhood is mostly boys. I, I used to have 
a bunch of girls across the street and some next door. And at some point, all the girls in the neighborhood moved away. So it was me and like a lot of, and my sister and a whole lot of boys. And I would, we all go up there and we're trying to make bows and arrows with, out of, you know, weeds and sticks <laughs> and, and that kind of thing. And then, you know, we wanted to build a fire and it was a secret. And the boys would just give up and run home to get lighter fluid um, or try to sneak some gas. And by the time they got back, I usually had it going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they wanted to make a fire. You were like, no, you just like, you know, you bang a stick and a rock together. Boom. <laughs> fire. No accelerant required. Yeah, they just never got the hang of it the way I did. And we'd build <laughs> forts. And that's another thing, like, I don't know. I, I was always I had to teach them how to use a hammer properly somehow. Uh, <laughs> although I also taught my husband that <laughs> years later, like you don't hold it up there on top, right? Um, but <laughs> fulcrum, fulcrum, people, right? Let it do the work. You're going to hurt yourself in so many ways. Um, but we, my mom wouldn't let me build a fort. Um, but we built a fort next door to the neighbors did, and I decorated it with. I used to belong to the Kiss Army fan club when I was a kid. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, I, used to, I used to go as a different member of Kiss every year for Halloween for a while. So I had all these like eight by 10 photographs from that. And I had a bunch of stuff. We were big hockey fans. So this fort was decorated with like Kiss and like the French Connection, like old Sabres picture. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So you you were, you were a, a, a well, what is it? Knight in Satan service. You were a fan of Kiss. Oh, you? that's uh, not, <laughs> that's boring, <laughs> but I was a big Well, I, I, grew, I grew up Baptist, so that was like the the going like propaganda line. Yeah, it's Knight and Satan service. Like they're Ooh, demons. Yeah. Look at them. <laughs> yes. One of the earlier satanic pat, you know, panic things. Like I also, Jordan, my next door neighbor got D&D. Like the original in the plastic bag, little paper books with the dice you had to rub the crayon on to make the numbers show up. But I think I only ran it like once and then didn't play D and D for another thirty years or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as I was doing my research and looking into Lockport, I realized that it's only about a half hour outside of Niagara Falls. So, yeah, I'm assuming you've been any fun stories about trips to Niagara Falls. Uh, yeah, I've gone a lot. Like I've gone to where I take it for granted. And so when I was at home, I don't even think to go there. Um, I used to work in Niagara Falls for a while. The, the Canadian side is so much nicer and cleaner. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> and I used to work at a place called Teletech and take my lunch breaks at, there's a nice botanical garden on the American side. And just like, go to Burger King, uh, get a Whopper Jr., or get a Happy Meal and have them add lettuce, tomato, onion, and mayo, and then it is a Whopper Jr. And, and they used to let me do that <laughs> and get a little Pokemon toy. And I still have some of those. Like back in the early 90s, they had these really cool Pokemon keychains. So I used to do a lot of that. Although one of my best uh, stories, I guess, is when my husband and I got engaged. He's Canadian. He still lived in Toronto. And he was coming across the border to meet me at work and then we drive home. I lived in Buffalo at the time. And he gets stopped at the border and he would take the bus from Toronto. He would busk to make bus fare and then yeah. go to and walk across the rainbow bridge. Well, like busk, like busk on the street. So yeah. play music on the street. Nice. Nice. Uh, my favorite band BNL is from Canada and they, they also, that's how they got there. Start busking. Yeah. And 
he had a to-do list in his backpack for the wedding. And so he was deemed a flight risk from Canada and they wouldn't let him cross. So he calls really? me up and I'm like, or I think he, yeah, he must've called me from a pay phone. Cause you know, it was 1999 and <laughs> I was like, oh, all right, go to the casino. I'll come pick you up when I'm done with work. Because if you're from there, you know, you go across Lewiston, Queenston Bridge, and they don't give a crap. Like, it's mostly only truckers use it. It's only about 15 minutes mm. down the way. <laughs> and <laughs> so I went over to Lewiston, Queenston. I drove over, picked him up to the casino, went back across Lewiston, Queenston, and came home. And I was like, you're not going back across until we get the rest of your paperwork filed. <laughs> <laughs> did did they stop him? Did they think, like, he was trying to, like, uh, do a thing where he came down here and married an American to stay in America or yeah. something like that? or? Yeah, even though it's, I mean, it's not really how it works, but (laughs) because, I mean, we did that whole process. Um, I spent a lot of time working in uh, law offices and we were able to do the process with kind of only filing fees because I understand enough legalese to do all our paperwork for his immigration by myself. And boy, people don't realize, you know, just become, he's still not a citizen, but. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's like. There's a whole rigmarole like you have to know more than, you know, your average eighth grader knows in a, you know, in a, in a history AP history class or something, you know, like about America. <laughs> like, can you name all the president's middle names backwards? Go. <laughs> and then maybe you can be a citizen. He's he would pass the citizen test probably more easily than I would. And when we go to trivia, yeah. he's like the geography in the U S history ringer because their system education system is fairly just that much better than ours. <laughs> <laughs> one more question about the falls. If someone's going to the falls, like what's one thing they can do in that environment, either Canadian or American side, that they might not think to do that they would have fun doing. It's, <laughs> well, just be careful where you go on the American side. Cause you can get uh, mugged real quick. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, definitely get your paperwork in order. It's not too hard. Go to the American side and walk up and down Clifton Hill. I think most tourists do that, but it's an interesting perspective. And even though they light up the falls and it's really pretty to look at and the made of the mist is something everyone has to do. It's really cool because you get on a boat and go really close. So you get soaking wet, (laughs) but go right up to the top of the falls. People don't walk right, right over there. And it is an amazing feeling. There is a place, it's got a railing, of course, but it is remarkably close to where the water goes over the edge on the Canadian side. And there's a pull. There's a, you can look at all that power, but it seems like you could, you could dip a toe in or something, right? I mean, it would pull you over to your death, but it's. You can kind of see why all those people went over the falls on the on, in barrels <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, not many have made it, though. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an indescribable feeling that from like a pure force of nature that uh, my sister can't do it. It terrifies her, the feeling. I always, what was it, Superman 2? It starts out with the kid going over the wall at the falls. And I, from then on, like, I've always been acrophobic. I was like, I am never going there. That is so scary. (laughs) I might go into it now, but. Just have someone with you. (laughs) Uh, Superman would be good, actually, because then he could jump in and save me like he did that kid in the movie. Just just don't go over the rail. Don't leave your children unattended (laughs) at night. Oh, I mean, come on. (laughs) Ha ha ha.
So uh, growing up in Lockport, were there any teachers that had a profound effect on you? I was in fifth grade or no, sorry, way earlier, third grade in Lockport at St. Mary's. I, I went to Catholic school for a long time. And Mr. Raymond was um, this amazing, it was a bunch of nuns and then like Mr. <laughs> Raymond. Um, in retrospect, I think there were a lot of things. <laughs> it was somehow a safe space for him. And he gave me so much art. Like, and it was just a regular third grade, all classes, all day there, right? But he had this punch system where he would have this, this little um, alcove in the back corner of the room and every week change out the art pieces mm. and like Monet's and, and you know, uh, Renoir's and Van Gogh's and a little bit about them. And at the end of the week, you know, like he would give a little quiz and it wasn't a great, it wasn't really part of the curriculum but give a quiz and you would get rewarded these punches and then you could like he had like a little store where you could buy stuff with your punches and a card and i learned so much about art and when we read um about don quixote like he included playing the record from man la mancha in the the classroom and talking about it and it just really had a profound effect in encouraging me uh, toward art art and positive reinforcement and how that works so much better than negative reinforcement especially in an environment with a lot of nuns <laughs> and i just never forgot him you know it sounds to me like his technique of like yes there there's art there's education in that art and we're going to try and you know match that up by the end of the week and everything but it wasn't a have to so it was like a fun thing that you could do outside of your classwork that you were getting graded on, right? Yeah, and it was just fun. You didn't realize how much you were learning. And <laughs> that's, a, that's a good trick for kids, I guess, right? <laughs> you trick them into learning things. So you said that kind of like, uh, you know, unlocked an interest in art in you. What what uh, have, you, have you done with that interest in art? Well, I used to write a lot when I was young. And um, it's funny because people I lost touch with from... Uh, when I was a kid and when I was a teenager and when I was a 20 something, I, eight years later, things like Facebook happened. And they're like, <laughs> what have you been writing? It's the first thing they would ask me. And I'm like, wow, I had kids and didn't, I just stopped, you know, uh, I don't write anymore. I don't make jewelry anymore because you can't have little beads in the house with little kids because <laughs> they would choke um, <laughs> and ruin everything anyway. But <laughs> Then, you know, when I, uh, a few years ago, uh, the kids got bigger. Um, I got involved in politics when we first moved to North Carolina. Kind of as a, we didn't know anyone here and the kids were little, but it was a doing something excuse to replace the social life. <laughs> um, I, as a father of three, I understand that situation. Yeah. And then I quit that, um, I don't know, about, six five or six years ago because i wanted to refocus on creative endeavors um and podcasting being one of them like i'm enjoying this it is a creative outlet for me and i want to focus on that instead of volunteering all my time and treasure or even i don't my husband makes enough i don't need to have a job and get paid so i don't need to take these gigs you know in in politics I and mean, i've had some cool ones i got to work with david byrne but talking heads david byrne yep second time he's come up on the show toblowski was the first 
<laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I organized a bike run, actually. Um, or, well, bike ride to polling places. Um, I was the state director for the Voter Information Project, and he called Rural Votes, who was my boss, and I want to do something. What can I do? And there were pitches from a couple of different states, and everybody was like, well, you should come to the college and you should sing Talking Head Sucks, right? And <laughs> Except for me, because I checked a couple of super fans and they were like, have you read the Bicycle Diaries? And I learned about his whole like movement and how he's into like cityscaping and biking. And I pitched that we do a ride to the polls. And he liked my pitch and he came to North Carolina and we had, I talked to the mayor and we got a declared David Byrne Day. Nice. And, uh, Got to hang out with him all day. That was pretty great. What was it like hanging out with him? Was he a, as odd a duck as he seems to be <laughs> from the outside? Yes. Um, he's on the spectrum. Uh, mm-hmm. My boss first said, I spotted it. Like, I, I have a son on the spectrum. And so I spotted it as soon as he was outside meeting with the people we borrowed a bike from. I was like, in 30 seconds, I was like, oh, and then you think back to some of his works and the way he moves and the, the way he looks and like, oh, that makes, how did I not see that before? Um, but my boss is like, oh, you just see it everywhere because you're a kid. And then I went and I got him settled in his hotel room. And she's like, I Googled it. You're right. Um, <laughs> but he thinks he got better. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think he quite understands how that works. Um, but it definitely yeah. helped me uh, throughout the day having to handle him in large crowds of people mm-hmm. and being able to like, Make eye contact. Yeah. Hey, David, yeah. go do this. And by the end of the day, I think he really picked up on that. Because at the end of the day, he had a list. He keeps a list. I'm going to do this. I'm mm-hmm. going to do this. I'm going to do this. And definitely good coping strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Things were getting overwhelmed and people were trying to follow him around and being weird fangirls and stuff. And he <laughs> came over to me and he's just like, he's got his list. And he looks at me. He's like, September, I'm going to go over there. And I'm going to sit down. I got you. I'll come get you in a minute. Like, so we communicated really well. And he was fantastic. He actually worked with Mm -hmm. another organization while he was in town. And he went and knocked on doors. Nice. He went to a line at a polling place and like handed out stuff and gave information to people. (laughs) Can you imagine you're waiting in line to vote? (laughs) And David Byrne comes up. And you're like, how did you get here? (laughs) Right. All right, September. uh, Well, we've come to our first game. This game is a lot of fun. It's not one we did on the original pilot episode of Where I'm From, but it's one I try to include in every episode. It's called Wheel Wheel of of Anecdotes. Now, for Wheel of Anecdotes, I'm going to give you a suggestion, and your challenge is to respond with a short anecdote from your hometown, the shorter the better. Make sense? Sure. Okay, so first up, the Lockport Locks. I used to sneak over the railing down the wall and <laughs> hang out next to it so I could actually see what a towpath was, because that was the name of my school newspaper. <laughs> what is a towpath? It's where they used to actually have like mules tow the barges, like pre motor boaty area. They had to pull these many ton barges of materials down the canal and they'd use like mules. Okay, cold. I lived through the blizzard of 77 in Lockport, New York. And I remember carving stairs to my neighbor's roof to slide down into my backyard. 
Oh, wow. Wow. That's, that's pretty intense. That's pretty intense. And cold. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Birdsill Holly. <laughs> How shady do you have to be or clever to burn down a fire hydrant plant? Because <laughs> that was the guy. <laughs> okay. Uh, rejection. I made the volleyball team, even though I was too young to be varsity. But then, because of weird physical female characteristics, I was not allowed to actually join. Wah, wah. Oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. That That's heartbreaking. You could have been, you know, the next American volleyball star. Right? Okay. Cake. My sister doesn't like cake. Every year on Christmas Eve, which is her birthday, we're out trying to find an ice cream cake. So I guess that also goes with cold. <laughs> okay. And the last one, the general concept of a sellout. All right, the best beef on whack I have ever had in my entire life. And if you're from Western New York, you know what that is. And you know that there are standards. And they've got, like, Anderson's. Like, it has multiple locations. The best one I've ever had in my entire life to this day, even trying to make it from scratch, is at Washburn Street Meat Market in Lockport, New York. And they closed a couple oh. years ago. It's gone forever. <laughs> So, so now you, you can never revisit that that dish. You just have to rely on the memories. Uh, yeah. Like, have one that's not as good <laughs> at the chain or something, right? I mean, there's some small treasure places in Buffalo, but still not as good as Washburn. Wheel of Anecdotes. Absolutely tragic. Absolutely tragic. Which is why, even though I scored you very low on every one of those answers, you still won September. Congratulations. Uh, and what you've won is an ad break. So we're going to take a quick break uh, to <laughs> listen to this sponsored message from Stream Studio, and then we'll be right back with September. Where I'm From is brought to you by Stream Studio. That's S-T-R-E-A-N-N -N Studio, the web app that puts you in charge of the live show. Stream Studio allows you to take your streaming game to the next level by allowing you to stream to multiple platforms at once. If you want to go to Twitch, if you want to go to YouTube, you can stream to all of those platforms at once, get feedback from your audience, and most importantly, it puts you in control of the show. Now, Stream Studio has several packages that work for just about any type of broadcaster. From the free plan, where you can stream with a watermark, all the way up to the gold plan, where you can have up to eight guests. You can stream to as many social platforms as you want. You can get a web link to share your show with external audiences. And you can even get an iframe so you can embed your live stream show directly into your website. Hey, I love Stream Studio so much, I'm using it to produce this show. I want to thank Stream Studio for supporting where I'm from. And you can give this fantastic software spin and support where I'm from at the same time. Just head over to our website at billmeeks.com slash where I'm from and click on the Stream Studio banner so they know we sent you their way. And we'd like to thank Stream Studio for sponsoring where I'm from. So back to Lockport a little bit. Where was the best place to shop in Lockport that you remember? It doesn't have to be open now, but bonus points if it is. 
<laughs> None of it's open. I'm so old. Like, I used to love to go to Adam Meldrum's, as my grandmother called it, right? Like, we used to have an AMA's in the mall. I mean, there was a mall when I was a kid. That was the place to go shop because they had an arcade <laughs> and the AMA's and, you know, uh, Radio Shack. And <laughs> now it's all Walmart and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, the, the mall definitely gave way to department stores and you can get most of the same stuff, but it, it's not the same. It's definitely not the same. Like it, it was like in a mall, like you could go around to different, you know, shops and get a completely different, you know, sort of experience and vibe off of it, you know? Yeah. And it, it was a pre food court mall too, right? It was a small mall, mm. but it was still really exciting to be able to go there when you're a kid and a kid in a town that's so small that people think the fancy place to go to eat is Ponderosa. Um, <laughs> the mall is super exciting. They do have a mm -hmm. place there now called Runnings, which mm -hmm. is a lot of um, kind of outdoor camping stuff. Like my dad is in love because it doesn't have to go to Buffalo to get grinders and stuffers and stuff for you know uh, making sausage and and stuff like that that we do. Because <laughs> I'm a little a redneck geek, apparently. Was the making sausages thing? Was that something that? went on when you were a kid too no well it, it went on i wasn't involved uh, my parents got divorced when i was young and i used to go visit them on the weekends but dad he would take like his steps on hunting and like it, i guess i think he was being really misogynistic about it like he didn't take me hunting i would love to have gone hunting um and i grew up like always having venison in the freezer but he never involved me in that stuff until a couple years ago I got some recipes and I started doing it myself. And now he's so excited to talk about it. Like he nailed me a, a slicer and a stuffer uh -huh. and like <laughs> I'm carrying on the family tradition. And I, I wish I had been more involved when I was young. <laughs> well, that's nice though, that you're kind of circling back around here uh, to, you know, to, to get involved with it. Uh, it does kind of suck though that he, his mentality was kind of like no girls in the deer stand kind of thing. You know? Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> And like my stepbrother bow hunts and my uh my sister's boyfriend he bow hunts a lot of bow hunting because you could go earlier it's easier you get your permit earlier and yeah i grew up with venison always in the fridge and my mom when she did go to work uh at gm worked long hours and i took care of everything and i i it's a lot of how i learned how to cook like well this is what i got and I'm smelling whatever's in the cupboard and trying to figure it out <laughs> Yeah, we'd always, we about two times a year, uh, my stepdad actually didn't hunt when I was growing up, but we would have like people from the church would hunt and, you know, they'd go kill two or three deer and then they'd hand out uh, the meat to all the families in the church. So we always had like a big stack of like wipe, like butcher paper packages of, you know, various deer steaks and deer hamburger and deer sausage and all that kind of stuff. It's not bad meat. My dad's a riot. He like would hang the deer just from a tree in his backyard. And he lives like in what passes from downtown in the city of Lockport. And he's just throwing the scraps and the crows are circling and his neighbors are not happy. <laughs> <laughs> I can like we lived a little we actually had like we had a big tree in our backyard and uh, we would actually have some people from the church on occasion bring a deer up to hang from the tree. Uh, there was this one time when I was a teenager, I had these 
quote unquote friends. Uh, what were the names? Aaron and Steve. They would come over and goof around and make fun of me and pick on me and then leave. And uh, one day they came over and they cut the deer down. So uh, the body was gone, but the head was still hanging from the tree because they hadn't got it down yet. And they went and they like took a baseball bat to it and like oh were just beating the shit out of it. And uh, it, it wasn't my mom who was like, OK, you can't hang out with those kids anymore. It was me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember my mom. But I took my oldest son to my dad's house and he was butchering a deer and like just the head is hanging there and Connor's dragging it around the yard. My mom's like, I heard about that and he's going to be so traumatized. I'm like, he knows where his food comes from and he can make those decisions himself. Like, am I supposed to hide it? Like, I can't hide it. <laughs> There's a deer hanging from a tree. <laughs> It can push you in one of two directions. It, you, it can push you in a direction where it, you're unaffected by it. And you're like, okay, I understand the process now. Or it can push you in the other direction. Like it did my sister where she went full vegetarian after the first time we had a deer hanging up in her backyard for like probably two years. Connor went vegetarian for a number of years, but not until later, not until he was like a tween and a red Aragon and decided it was just wrong to eat anything you couldn't kill with your bare hands for a while. He still insists that's not what drove it, but I remember. <laughs> but thankfully, I could teach him uh, how to cook vegetarian. I, I've actually recently uh, went not vegetarian, but vegan myself. Not because I want to. I love meat, but because my doctor said I probably should because, you know, I'm getting up there. And, and you know, uh, I will say versus when my sister was a vegetarian when I was a teenager, the alternative options for meat are so much better now like the impossible burgers and like even like the the tvp like sausage links taste way more like actual sausage tvp was always a uh, a lifesaver like when connor was vegetarian because I, instead of making something completely different like you throw some tvp in a chili i'm in a chili cook-off tomorrow and my husband's like you should just do a TPP and then they won't know. And Cause I used to do that. I used to do a Democratic <laughs> party potlucks and make shepherd's pie and just use TVP. Cause I mean, it's just mm -hmm. got a great texture when it hydrates and like, <laughs> Oh my God, it was so good. Like how do we, can I have the recipe? I'm like, Oh, did I forget to mention? Uh, it, it's got TVP. It's vegetarian. They're like, really? Yeah. Your doctor will thank me because they're all seniors too. They should, <laughs> they should definitely be leaning that way. Yeah, that's like once you hit about thirty-five or forty, that's what you start hearing. Cut out the red meat. Cut out the red meat. White meat if you can, but definitely the red meat. I think I eat more um, red meat now that I'm older, but it's because I can actually <laughs> afford it now. So, trust me, if if I wasn't trying to, you know, stay kicking around for a couple more years, I would not be going away from the red meat at all. I love it. <laughs> and I, I, I think the thing that I like most about it is that you can taste the suffering of the animals with every bite. And it's just like, it just fills you with joy. Uh, sure you know, you're not that, talking about pork. I mean. <laughs> yeah, I, that too. That too, for sure. <laughs> okay, so what are uh, some can't miss attractions you'd recommend to anybody visiting Lockport? The cave tour. And that's another thing. Uh, we did not have a lot of money growing up or babysitters or anything, but I always heard about it. <laughs> and then uh, a number of years ago, I was visiting home and I I actually went on the cave tour and it's really, really neat. A lot of interesting history because you you go on a boat 
because it's like mm-hmm. partially flooded basically in these caves and you get to learn all kinds of interesting things about like there was a famous guy who basically invited invented he patented a fire hydrant design and they based it in Lockport. And it was this like big manufacturing boom because back then, I mean, the locks were a big part of trade, the Erie Canal. You know, um, we used to sing and we had songs we sang in school that no one, if unless you're from there, knows. Like <laughs> from Albany to Buffalo, like there's a low bridge. It's like low bridge, everybody down low bridge because you're coming to a town where you always know your neighbor you always know your pal <laughs> it's 15 <laughs> miles on the erie canal so nice very um, nice uh, hold on let me give you, a, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah they um had this big factory because the manufacturing get everything in and out and a few of these fire hydrants still exist today around the country and then mm-hmm. he had some shady personal business. They don't mention that on the tour. I learned that in my own research. But um, the weirdest thing, it burned down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was tragic. Like people died and workers were lost. But it was like this huge, the biggest fire anybody had ever seen right next to the canal. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a really, really neat thing worth doing that. Uh, I guess it's not everything there isn't very well advertised. It's not a very touristy place. And the people go and they look at the locks and they watch them fill up. And then the boat goes across and like, okay, well, that was a thing that doesn't happen many places, but it's not very interesting. (laughs) That was a process I observed accurately uh, with my full attention. (laughs) And uh, now what are we going to (laughs) do? Yeah, the cave tour is uh, way cooler. Uh, Now, September, you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, but you've been involved in local politics a lot uh, in your adult life. Did you ever get into the political scene of Rockport? No. (laughs) No. No, I did not. I mean, when I lived in Buffalo, I went to a few, you know, marches and things, but not actually involved in politics. I didn't understand it the way I I came to as an adult and i'm kind of glad i didn't because they're really weird there uh i mean it's in new york but it's very conservative like my sister went to a job interview and they asked her how she was registered not long ago mm, mm. Mm. yeah which is a big no-no big no-no mm-hmm. you know a lot of people think new york they they think new york city and they're like oh yeah like the liberal holy land or whatever but once you get out of the, pro- the city proper it's it reminded me a lot when I visited upstate New York and everything of West Virginia. You know, it's very, you know, very rural and there's a lot of a lot of good old boys <laughs> and uh, yeah. that kind of mentality. <laughs> yeah. And people don't know the difference. It's like you're from New York. Whenever you move somewhere else, it's like they think you're from New York City or upstate. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. Yeah. No. So I, I would say Buffalo or Niagara Falls, which are kind of equidistant from Lockport. Like it's a suburb of both, really. Because then people have at least a grip that it's, they don't know Western New York is a thing, but it, it, then they go, oh, so it was like three feet of snow all the time. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Although, you know, that is something in my research that popped up a lot that, you know, uh, they do get quite a bit of snow up there. Did you ever have any close calls in the snow or anything? Because I grew up in the snow and I hated it because it felt like anytime I left my house, I was... (laughs) I might drive off the side of the hill. I mean, you, you 
slip and slide around. I, I feel like I'm an excellent driver uh, due to that. I mean, you learn to drive that way, right? You go out in the mall parking lot at night when no one's around and you do some donuts <laughs> and you learn how to turn into things the right way. Um, I, I've driven through some serious stuff. Uh, those are my, I guess, biggest close calls. But I loved it. I still get homesick for snow. Um, seeing digging out of there, you, you've got so much to dig in some of the bigger storms I've been in that you can't get anywhere. But the neighbors all come out and dig because, like, the guy who runs the barbershop in the corner, the little old man, has to get home. He doesn't have any, any of his heart medication, right? And everybody, mm -hmm. like, will just pitch in and start shoveling and get him gone before the travel ban hits. And then yeah. collate, like, okay, you go to Wilson Farms and get some beer. I've got some scotch. I've got some whiskey. And everybody is like, mm -hmm. has a party and takes care of each other while we're snowed in. It makes for better neighbors having, like, you can get on the bus in Buffalo or walk down the street and people look you in the eye and people will say hi. So it's got a real small town feel because you never know when you might need to be rescued. You know, that's a great point you bring up that, you know, sort of like crises, like, you know, a big snowstorm or something, bring people together. And that's definitely something that, you know, because I've been living in warmer climates for the past several years. Yeah, like, I, I don't get to talk to my neighbors because I don't have to go outside and shovel the snow, you know, or, yeah, uh, yeah, or, you know, in Florida, I would, I would cut the grass, but I'm running a loud lawnmower. So no one's going to come up and talk to you while you're running a lawnmower, right? So <laughs> I still can't eat SpaghettiOs during the blizzard. School got canceled, but my mom had to go to work and she took me to my sister's. Well, I was going to go to the daycare, but that lady was snowed in and our, our, it was canceling daycare, but she was, she'd take us. So mom, you go to work. And then it hit and we ended up stranded for like three days at this lady's house. Oh, wow. And all she had was like seven up and spaghetti. <laughs> Ate that for like three days. And I can't, the smell just trauma <laughs> eventually my mom like had a friend who had a truck with a plow on it and came and got us out you eventually relocated uh to buffalo uh from where you were uh what was that transition like for you oh it was it was a whole wonderful new world i i, I was in a city like the first time i moved to buffalo is when i went to college i went to buff state and like public transportation like i can actually just go places right <laughs> instead of having to go like <laughs> 10 miles on a bike without a car yeah yeah and i didn't i didn't have a car until i was uh, i don't know this is when i live in florida so like 21 yeah so it, it was interesting um I, I had a little homeless time i couch surfed i <laughs> but i'm glad i had the experience um if, if you have a good social network, it's not that bad couch surfing and stuff. I used to be like, I used to be the guy on the couch that like you'd go over to a friend's house and there'd be a guy sleeping on the couch that fell asleep way earlier than everybody else. That was me. Yeah. Me and one of my roommates, we used to have parties uh, to like pay rent and to buy diapers for her baby. Right. Like, but we'd have parties mm -hmm. and take back all the empties. Because <laughs> we were just hosting and people just bring stuff and they leave all the empties and like that's cash money in New York. So, oh yeah, <laughs> creative way to make a little <laughs> a little scratch. 
and I went hard on theater for a little while when I was there, which was, a, I thought I was going to go to school and become an engineer or a psychologist. And then, no, I just spent all my time in the theater department. <laughs> I had started a little theater in high school and dragged some friends into it. And then they were doing theater at both states. So I spent a lot of time uh, doing that. And that opened up a whole new thing. Did, did you uh, say you just did tech or was it like, did you do acting too? Did I? I no, I never got any parts. Um, like in, in high school, I always end up in the chorus, and then in college, I mostly end up doing house. I'm really good at that kind of organizational management, as you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Getting getting the things done, uh, <laughs> and so yeah, I would end up in house more often than not. But it was a lot of fun and made a lot of good friends acting and i used to do a lot of improv um i actually did i run a little improv class and poetry readings at the local coffee shop and and stuff like that oh fun yeah ani defranco came to one of my uh poetry readings really really yeah the biggest thing was she wanted to do poetry and everybody was like oh my god it's Ani defranco did you get her to play a song i'm like i talked to her she's like i was like people don't want to go in front of you and read <laughs> and she's like I just want to read a poem. I don't want to play. I'm like, well, will you if I get you a guitar? She said, yeah. So I went outside and I told them and people ran in all directions to like fetch guitars and somebody started restringing one of the sidewalk. She played a couple songs and then she read a couple poems she had brought with her and I gave her a coffee token because that's what everybody got. And she <laughs> went out for a while and she went on her way. And then the next day, I'm hearing her on the radio because... She was on like CBC and stuff at the time. And that's another great benefit to being Buffalo and Lockport is you've got Canadian content. Even pre-cable, we had Canadian content. Yeah, I, I know uh, when BNL would put out their tour ske schedules, that was usually like the first stop in America was like Buffalo area. Yeah, yeah. Getting exposed to them and they're tragically hip and stuff that other people just don't really know. I've gotten to see BNL for free a couple times. Nice. That, uh, what what era of BNL? Just out of curiosity, the geek in me wants to. Know. Wow. Oh, it's been. I don't know. It was really early because they were during the doing a free Thursday in the square in downtown Buffalo. So it would have been mm. uh, ninety. Let me see, I took Connor with me. So like ninety six. Ninety six. Okay, so like born on. Well, I probably ship. saw them yeah. about ten years before that at. Um, in Niagara Falls because they did the, there was a festival that's right on the border and the friendship festival. But I don't remember mm -hmm. when that was, I was probably, <laughs> just, that was probably 40 years ago. Geez, I was a teenager. Oh, wow. Well, I, we'll go ahead and, uh, cause this could very easily become yeah, a very naked very ladies, ladies fan too. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we're going down the there, hole. but yeah. Yeah. Did they have any, so did crush test dummies have any songs that didn't, use like the oh like the deep yeah, voice he stuff all the time voice. he always yeah, used that yeah. voice yeah <laughs> i do a cover of okay. song <laughs> oh do you very it nice works uh, with a female voice it's a great story that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. so because you do a lot of karaoke right uh a, a bit i've been hosting it yeah. recently i think i might have lost that mm -hmm. gig but that's another story um <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I really like hosting it and I like attending it when mm -hmm. I can. I yep. can't sing as much as I used to. I had vocal cord surgery a few years ago. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm relearning my instrument.
Yeah, I, I've always been a big fan of karaoke. I wish I I had more opportunities to do it now because I, I used to be like a two-pack-a-day smoker. So I would go in karaoke, but I had a two-pack-a-day smoker's voice. And now that I'm not, I'm like, I have a much better voice now, but I never get to show it off. Better's <laughs> relative, man. I, I had that surgery and my range has changed. I could kill some Joe Jet in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just changed the covers up the covers that you do. <laughs> you you've been in uh North Carolina, right? For about t- 20 years now. Do you ever feel the urge to move back to Lockport or Buffalo or that area? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because of autumn being so beautiful there. Um it seems it always hit me around October. Like some years I get so homesick that I just cry. I mm. There's so much about it that was formative to me from, you know, creative stuff to role playing games to, um, you know, living in in a climate where people have to pay attention to each other. Um, Mm -hmm. But my husband would never go for it. And the kids, (laughs) you know, grew up here. Yeah, Yeah. he's from Prince Edward Island. Uh, He would never go in the snow again if it's up to him. So. <laughs> uh, we're, we're stuck here for now, anyway. But I do, I do like to go visit. Yeah. So you do, you do have people up there. You get to go back and visit and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was up there in July. I mean, that was for a funeral. But I also went camping. Uh, there's a group of my friends that I used to go camping with for a week every summer for years, and they still do it every year. Uh, all these years <laughs> later, and it was going on the same week I was up there, and so I stopped for a few days at Brushwood on the way back. And, and camped out with them. And it was very healing and wonderful. I, I love doing that kind of thing. And my family still lives in Lockport. My dad and my sister and my oldest son's parents all live in Lockport. Okay. So so you, you probably still keep sort of a ear on the local gossip a little too, since you have so many people there. Uh, a little bit. I mean, more with Buffalo, actually, because that's where my friends are and the communities mm. that I was a part of and I've been enjoying <laughs> seeing the city grow and develop some and, you know, my friends becoming like massage therapists and, and cool stuff like that. Since you have made it back there recently, I'm going to wrap up Buffalo with one question. Where can I get the best wings in Buffalo? Uh, not anchor bar. How about I'll say that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's where they invented. They're terrible. Um, Lenovo. Okay. Lenovo Pizza and Wings. It's on the west side of Buffalo, between Richmond and Grant. On the, what is it? West Ferry. I forget the name of the street. But anyway, as soon as you get near there, you can smell them blocks away. <laughs> they have fantastic wings. It, your regular standard, hot, medium, mild. But they also do this thing where they have barbecued wings that they then char grill. That is, I crave that. That's my, I have to have that when I visit food. And Alton Brown trashed on Buffalo Wings famously years ago and got a lot of hate for it. And he recently went back and went to every place people, well, not every place, but where the experts told him to. And he agrees with me. Lenovo was it. So even if you hate wings, Lenovo is a Lenovo. Give them a go. Lenovo. Yeah. Lenovo. Sorry, my computer's Lenovo. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Not computers. This is like old Italian guys. (laughs) making the food (laughs) nice uh well september it's been great having you on today i'm so glad i finally uh was able to have you on i've been meaning to 
for a few months and it finally all worked out. Um, where can people follow what you do? Well, the easiest thing to do is go to 9of12.com. That's N-I-N-E-O-F-1-2 dot com. Most of the links to my projects are there. There's one I'm missing, I realized today. But if you go to twitch.tv and search for Cyranex, it's S-E-A-R-A-N-E-X. Um, we do part-time gamers on his channel. And I'll actually be, we record Sunday nights <laughs> at about at 9.30 uh, Eastern time in the evening. If you want to come watch us record live, but the links to actually finding that show are on my page. All right. Well, uh, thanks again so much for coming on September. Now you out there listening and watching, if you like the show, please consider going over to Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast and leaving us an honest review uh, you've joined September, actually. She's left one on there. And it, it's just a great way to kind of get the word out about a show, about the show and give us a little street cred. You can also find links to uh, the video and audio versions of the show over at BillMeeks.com slash where I'm from, all one word. You can watch us record the show live at our Facebook page, Where I'm From Podcast, or at YouTube.com slash at BillMeeksLA. Uh, now, if you want to come on the show and tell me about where you're from, or you want to react to something me and September talked about today, go ahead and shoot me an email, bill at billmakes.com. Well, that does it again for this week. Join us next time when we talk to somebody else about where they're from. See you soon. And that's the end of the show, and I'm going to hit stop.